You're listening to Family Life Church, San Jose. And now, a message from Pastor Richard Hernandez. So what I want to do is I want to take a closer look today at the fact that Jesus sent out his disciples by giving them authority over the enemy, and he sent them out so that we can see how we can personally apply that plan to our own lives. Do you know there's so much uh, meat, there's so much word that we can get from God's word, there's so much uh, knowledge and understanding that we can get from God's word. And so what I want to do is begin to show you how this plan that God laid out, sending out his disciples, can apply to your life, but also begin to show you the heart of the game plan. The reason why we're doing all that we're doing, there's the heart of the matter. There's a deep reason why we're doing it, and we're going to show you that through the scriptures today. Last week, we talked about in detail how the first time he sent out his 12 disciples, but later in the ministry, he sent out 70. We briefly touched on it, but there was a distinct difference between the times that he sent them out. The first 12, he gave them specific details to only go and to preach to, uh, to, in Galilee and to stay in a certain area, to speak to the Jews only. But when he sent out the 70, he took off all restrictions and they began to mass communicate because now they were going to speak to more people. How many know 70 is a lot more than 12? And so what God was doing later in the ministry, he was like, man, the time is coming because he has to get ready for the harvest. The, the day of Pentecost was coming and he needs to get the message out to as many people as possible. So he empowers 70 people. In Luke chapter 10, we're going to start in the verse <clears throat> 1. After the Lord appointed 72 others and he sent them out by two, two ahead of him to every town in place where he was about to go. He sends them out ahead before he, he goes there. They're going ahead of him, preparing the way for the Lord. Verse 2, he said, he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, I begin to teach you it's important to identify and to have a vision. You need to identify what is it that God is asking you to do in your personal life right now. It's not a question that I can answer for you. You have to look at your marriage. You have to look at your life. And you need to have a personal vision on where you want to go in life. Where are you leading your family? Where are you leading yourself? You have to have a vision. Well, in this passage, God is making the vision clear that there is a harvest of people and we need to go get them. And so Jesus is making sure that there is a clear vision for everybody to follow. And he's telling his disciples that there's a harvest, but there's not enough workers. What I love about that is after identified becomes organized. After you begin to decide this is where I want to go, you have to begin to organize how are you going to do it. And so what Jesus does is he looks to his followers. He's saying that there needs to be workers. And he looks at to the followers and says, okay, well, actually, I'm about to talk to you. We're going to organize, and there's going to be a plan, and you're the ones that are going to execute it. When you see yourself as a player, you realize that God is really speaking to you, that there is a plan, you're a part of it. For your marriage to get to the right place, there's a plan that God has, but guess what? You have a role in it. You have a responsibility. You're a part of everything that God is doing. So he looks to his followers, and he begins to teach them and to show them something. Now, the first thing that I want you to get out of this first passage is you need to understand that he sends them out in pairs. He sends them out in twos. This is important because we recently talked about through the Witness series that there's power in agreements. 
There's power when we come together and we are on the same page. There is power when we begin to work as a team. If we're all working for our individual goals, how many know there's not the same power in it? That God himself is in agreement. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit is in agreement. Therefore, whatever they establish and set out to do, they can do it. Because there's power in team, right? We have to understand that this is by God's design. That we are better together. There's power in teams, husbands and wives. You know, there's power when you're really working together as a team. When you're family, when you're working together as a team on your job. It takes teamwork to make the dream work. When we really come together, but when we're all working against each other, or we're all going on our own way, we can't accomplish all that God has us set out to do. We have to learn to work together as a team. We're better together. This is part of God's plan. We have to work together. So he doesn't send them out one by one. He sends them out in pairs. Come on, say teamwork. teamwork. We need that. I love Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is a winner. How many agree with that? I love what Michael Jordan says. He says that talent wins games, but it's teamwork in intelligence that wins championships. How many know when you got a game plan, you want to win the championship? 49ers ain't trying to lose on Sunday. The Chiefs ain't trying to lose on Sunday. But what Jordan says, I think is great because he says it takes teamwork and intelligence. Do you know talent and ability will get you through the door? But if you really want to see us win the whole thing, you got to work with your teammates. Even if you're mad at them, even if they irritate you, if you're going to win this thing, we need to find a way to work together. Well, I love the way Jordan says this because he gives us insight because how many know you got to be more than together to make it work? Because, you know, you can be together but not be on the same page. You can be in a relationship and not really be connected. Come on. You can live in the same house. Come on. And it's still divided. You can go to the same church, but you don't got the same vision. So it takes teamwork and intelligence. What that means is you're going to need to put some thought into how is this going to work. You actually got to sit down and look at the plan and begin to put thought. Do you know God created the mind? So therefore, God created our intelligence. And it's okay to use intelligence and wisdom. This can come from God. Being together doesn't automatically mean it's working. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take some thought. It's going to take some strategy. Come on. You got to come together. All right. I'm going to give you some more depth. Because when you're in this thing, and when you're in your life, this game plan life, you should be in it to win it. You should look at your marriage and your family and say, man, I'm in it to win it. I'm not just trying to get to my son, 18 years old, and get out. I know it's tempting sometimes. I said, man, get out of here. <laughs> it's over the long haul. So let's see if we can get some more insight in the scriptures. Verse 3 says, go. That's a deep word. Some of us can't even get past that word. Because that's the start of everything. Now go and do it. Some of us can't get to the go. So I, I have to stay right there for a minute because you got to understand that if there's a plan, there has to be a go. You got to go do it. Get in the game. Can't just be like, okay, well, Javier would do it. It's all right. Jesus would do it. He's talking to who? He's talking to me. There's a plan. It's in it. It says go. I'm sending you out a lamb among the wolves. Oh, that's why I didn't want to go. That's why I don't like the word go. He's sending me out as lambs among, Jesus is not sugarcoating it right now. He said, there's a plan, 
It's going to be hard. You're going to face my homie. It's not going to be easy. Okay, okay, I'll flip it. You're going to face Bosa or Buckner. It's not going to be easy. You're going to meet opposition. I'm sending you out lamb amongst the wolves. Then he makes it even worse. He says, don't take any purse or bag of sandals. And don't greet anyone on the road. This little passage right here can teach you so much about the game plan. This is going to teach you so much about how to overcome life and to walk in faith. Number one, he says, uh, I'm sending you out as lamb among wolves. What that means is that serving the Lord is not easy. I'm sending you as lambs among the wolves. Just hit a click. It's not easy. Serving the Lord is not easy. Then he tells them not to take any money. And the other passage tells them not to take any extra clothes. Because he wants them to learn to walk by faith. That if you're going to see this plan come to pass, that you're going to need to learn to walk by faith. Because your eyes are going to deceive you. See, your eyes are going to tell you that your marriage is failing. Your, your mind is going to tell you that you can't do it, that it's bigger than you, right? So he's telling us if you're going to execute this plan, you're going to need to learn to walk by faith. So he says, don't take anything, no money. You're going to have to trust me. A Christian walk and a, to overcome, it's going to take faith. In fact, the plan goes in further detail, like I taught you last week, is that he tells them that if you connect with people, they're going to take care of you. Why? Because connection matters. Okay, listen to this. The third thing he tells them is a strange one. He says, don't greet anyone on the road. The reason why you have to understand in life, you have to stay focused. We're on a timetable here. God is in the middle of his plan. He's orchestrating everything to come together for the day of harvest. God is on a mission. But you got to stay focused. We are so easily distracted. Oh, man, YouTube, distraction. Come on. TV, distraction. So easily are we to stay focused. You know, it was Jewish culture. If you ran into another traveler on the road, you have to stop and exchange pleasantries. There was like a whole formal thing that you needed to do. And Jesus is saying, don't do that. Even if it violates your tradition, even if it goes against what you already know, even if it goes against what you were taught, stay focused. Listen to what I'm telling you. Oh, you guys got to catch what I'm saying. Some of y'all been taught some things that are destructive to your life. God is trying to get you on another road. God is trying to get you to let the old man, the old traditions go. And, and, and you want to keep going back to your traditions. But God got you on a new road. I don't know if y'all with me here, but God got you on a new path. God sent you to a greater destination. But you're all like, man, I need to go kick it with the homies. Some of you might, God's saying, look, don't greet anybody. Don't be distracted. Stay focused. Come on, if you can apply this, this is going to help you. Because the mission of God is time sensitive. God is on a clock. God's always on time. Why? Because he keeps time. What? God is not procrastinating. God is not slack concerning his promises. So the scriptures say, God is working on your behalf. You may not see it, but he's working. He didn't take a day off. Oh, come on, somebody. So what is he teaching us in this passage? He's telling you it won't be easy. You need to walk by faith and you need to stay focused. In fact, as you begin to read those questions, as you begin to read the scriptures, I want to just, there's a lot of detail in there, but I can't break it all down. But I do want to leave you with this. That this is a master strategy. The master strategy was to paint, I want to paint this in further detail, because he would send out the 70 before him. 
And they would go before that town and they would tell everybody, Jesus is coming. He would, they, with every town, he would tell them, the Messiah is coming. And he would send them out and they would rally everybody. And then Jesus would roll in. That's why the crowds that you read about later in the ministry, where they gathered by the hundreds and the thousands to listen to the preaching of Jesus. Why? Because the disciples were ahead of them. How did you get 5,000 people to listen to a sermon on the mount? The disciples went ahead of them, telling everybody, the Messiah's coming. He's going to preach. He's got a word for you. And they would gather. Come on. This is an elaborate, intricate plan. Organized. Jesus wasn't just saying, we'll figure it out when we get there. Come on. Go to Disneyland during the summer. Figure out when you get there, you ain't going to do nothing. <laughs> You're going to be standing in line. You better have a plan. See, this plan is in still operation today. Do you know that? That God sends us out ahead to prepare the way for the Lord. The Bible says that one plants, one waters, but only Jesus can bring the increase. Come on, you got to catch what I'm saying. Like, this, God is still running the same play. They can't stop it. The enemy can't stop it. He's still running it. See, this is all part of the organization to reach thousands. Do you know that God's intention is to reach the city? city of San Jose is over a million people. God's intention is that every one of them would hear the gospel. That's his plan. How does he do it? Well, he has a plan. You're a part of it. Uh-oh. Come on. There's a harvest. Jesus intends to do it. How is he going to reach the thousands? Well, he's dividing up the work. See, what is at stake is bigger than you. It's bigger than one person. Jesus could not do this on his own. He need, Jesus could not do it on his own. He needed his followers to get with the plan to make it happen. In fact, there's a strategy in God's plan. The work is divided into the body of Christ. Each person has their purpose, their calling, and how they fit into the plan. You can apply that to every area of your life, that there is a role that God intends for you to play. If you're the husband, you have a role. If you're the wife, you have a role. If you're a son or you're a daughter, you have a role. If there is a part of the plan that God, the scriptures, the playbook, will begin to teach you how to run that play. Do you know the Bible even talks about how you should work and how you should work with your boss? Do you know it tells you how to keep integrity in, in this crazy world? You know, the Bible gives us the plays. We just got to learn to follow them. We got to learn that he's talking to us. He's not talking to somebody else. We're really quick to be like, he must be talking to you. You're the most unorganized person I know. He's talking to you. See, we want to associate blame somewhere else. See, when you see this in all these areas of life, you can accomplish more because it is by God's design, teamwork. Strategically, God made the world this way so that we would need each other. God created man. He said, it's not good for this man to be alone, so he created his wife. And then they were to have children so that the, they would have continual purpose that God did not intend us to be by ourselves. Do you know that God himself didn't want to be by himself, so he created man. We are created in God's image. So he created man so that he could have somebody he could talk to. He created man in his own image so there could be a likeness that God can see himself in his creation. Oh, y'all, you got to catch what I'm trying to tell you. That God, creator, master of the universe, designed the world from the beginning of creation with you in mind. That there was a plan and you were a part of it. The relationship that he wanted with you was a part of God's creation. When he created the earth and he created everything, he said, this is good. And when he created you, he said, this is good. Yeah. Other people try to lie to you and say you were no good. Your rap sheet tells you you were no good. The judge says you were no good. But God said, I created you, and I say it's good. This is good. 
See, God, who is all-powerful, chose this method to be personal and inclusive for a reason so that people can choose whether or not they want the relationship that he was offering. He's done it this way. He's all-powerful. He could have just showed up in all his magnificent and said, look, and I can make the whole earth eat you up if you don't serve me. I can cause a tornado come mess up everything that you got. But God chose relationship as the way that he wanted a choice that you can choose whether or not I want to be a part of this team or not. This ability to choose is proof of God's love for us. It's proof that he loves us because he's not making us do it. He's letting us choose. But it also shows that there is value in relationship and our importance of relationship by choice. Everything that God has done proves his love, but it also shows us that he wants that relationship to be by choice. Not because you're being dragged in here. Some of us, when we were kids, we were dragged in by our ears. Ah! Shut up and serve. <laughs> that was not God's plan. God's plan is that pastors shouldn't have to be following you around. Get in your position. Get where, go there and greet people. Show up on time. Oh, come on. God's intention is that we're not a police force. You're a sinner. You're a sinner. You're a sinner. That's not God's intention. God's intention that there would be authentic relationship. In fact, at the heart of the game plan and everything that I'm trying to teach you, at the, heart of the, at the heart of this game plan is relationship. That's the meaning of it all. It's connecting. It's connecting to God. It's connecting with each other. In fact, when I look at the playbook, which is the Bible, that when I read Genesis through Revelations, that I see a common theme. Everything that God has intended was about relationship. When I see creation, I see relationship. When I read Revelations, I see him restoring a relationship. Everything that God is doing from Jesus walking on this earth is about relationship. I see the Old Testament. I see the struggle for man to stay in relationship with God. And I see God still trying to reach out and get their attention through the prophets, through the word of God. Then I see him sending his own son to restore and renew that relationship so that nobody can ever take it away again. But I see that in all that, that relationship is by choice. Well, if you can choose something, you can also reject it. Come on. So what does Jesus say in verse 16? He says, whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me also rejects the one who sends me. To reject something is to dismiss it and not value the relationship that God is offering. When we reject it, but many of us are dealing with rejection issues because maybe we have experienced rejection ourselves. So we begin to reject others. Do you know it can be a defense mechanism that you can reject people before you even get a chance to know them? You might look at them and say, uh-uh, red and gold, go. Get the stepping. I'm having a Super Bowl party at my house on Sunday. Niner fans are welcome. Don't get mad if the other guy's cheering, though. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we accept sinners. 49er fans, we accept them all. We love them. <laughs> but in all seriousness, that many people are dealing with rejection. In fact, the enemy fights so hard to keep you in a place of rejection so that you can never have a real intimate relationship with not only God, but with anybody. He wants you to keep people at a distance so that you're, because why? Because you were created for relationship. And so the enemy works double hard to get you to devalue your relationship so you continue to reject what God is offering. Maybe he makes you think that you're unworthy of what he's offering, so you reject God's promises. You hear what I'm saying? 
Many of you can't accept that God loves you just as you are. Many of you can't accept that God wants more for you because you're rejecting that. You say, no, God, I'm not good enough. But who are you really rejecting? You're rejecting what his word says. The enemy wants to keep you in a place of rejection because connecting you should value more than anything else. Relationship with God, you should value more than anything else. The enemy wants to keep you there. Listen to what Psychology Today, I read this article. It says, rejection destabilizes our need to belong. We all have, say we all have, a fundamental need to belong to a group. Why? God created us this way. So when we get rejected, this sometimes becomes destabilized, and the disconnection we feel adds to our emotional pain. What that means is, is that that pain becomes a deterrent for us to connect with anybody. Because when you've been hurt, it's an open wound. And if somebody just taps that open wound, it hurts so much that you would rather run away than pursue a deeper relationship. Come on. And so God sometimes, he's beginning to work on us, and it hurts a little. So we run. When we're in a marriage, we, we, we get past that whole, like, I'm putting on a show because I want you to marry me, you know what I'm saying? I'm putting my best foot forward. I'm going to act all right. But after a few years, <laughs> the real me comes out. And all of a sudden, now it's difficult. So you can say, I value this relationship, and I'm going to go through these obstacles. I'm not going to reject what God has set up for me in marriage and relationship and friendship. I'm not going to reject these things. I'm going to work through it. Come on. Because why? If you value something, you'll do whatever it takes to see it through. See, I know that God is trying to teach us something through this playbook. He's trying to teach us it's more than about just doing miracles and casting out demons. Because he gave the disciples authority to cast out demons. But some of us think the goal of church... You have to follow me with this is to experience something with God and to just have a miracle or to receive a word and to feel good about ourselves. Do you know that it's so much more than just serving the Lord, that God's intention is not we just have an experience where we feel good, like, oh, that felt so great. It's deeper than that. It's so much deeper than that because we, we can't we got to we got to get connected that this thing is about authentic relationship. Authentic relationship is good, bad, it fills it all, but we got to remember that it's not just all about miracles. In fact, listen to what happens. When God begins executing the plan, I want you to listen to what the disciples said because we can get caught up so times, I just want to serve the Lord. I want to see a move of God. I want to experience something. I want to feel good today. But listen to what happens in verse 17. It says this, the 72 return with joy, and they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Come on, they're feeling good. Like, Yeah. Man, we went out to town to town. We were demon slaying, bro. We were preaching, man. We were out there doing drive-by witnesses. Pulled out our 9 millimeter Bible. We were blasting on them spirits. <laughs> man, I rode up on these dudes. I straight punked the devil in prayer yesterday. You know what I'm saying? Man, I'm a spiritual weapon. Watch out. And that's all good. But I'm going to give you some truth. We can get so caught up in the gifts that God gives us, his love, his authority, the power over the enemy, that we can lose sight on the things that really matter. We can put all that away and we can make our entire Christian walk about demon slaying. We can make our entire Christian walk about serving. We can make our entire Christian walk about outreach. 
and lose the thing that really matters, the heart of it all, and that's relationship. Come on, you got to hear what I'm saying. We can get caught up in God's favor. I want your blessings, God. Cha-ching, cha-ching. God bless me. I want that new car. I've been waiting, God, patiently for my wife. We lose sight on what really matters. The only thing that matters is our relationship. So why am I saying this? Because I want you to be demon slaying, Bible preaching, nine millimeter carrying. That's cool. It's great. But not at the expense of an authentic relationship with God. Why? Because in verse 18, listen what he says. Jesus replied, he said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Yeah, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. That's all good. That's great. I want you to understand. Yeah, I've given you that authority. But listen, he says, however, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Come on, somebody. The heart of the game plan is that there's a relationship and your name is written in heaven. That God loved you so much that he's prepared a place for you. Do you realize that he is up there right now preparing a place for you? For your family? For your neighbor? That God is preparing a place for you? That God wants to see everybody saved? That God is preparing a place for everyone? Come on. But what does he say? Man, I saw Satan fall from heaven. Losing his connection, rejecting his relationship with me. I saw him fall from heaven, pursuing a position, giving up his place of worship. I saw him fall the same way, pursuing something, desiring position over relationship, status over real connections, followers over friendships. I saw Satan pursuing something that wasn't his and he went after with everything. He didn't, didn't worry about our relationship. He wanted to prove something. Come on. Sometimes we mess up the relationships in our life. We're pursuing something else. When God says that you need to treasure what you already have. This is how we get led astray. This is why the enemy fell from heaven like lightning because his eyes begin to look somewhere else in your marriage. You begin to look other places for satisfaction when God says, I need you to treasure the relationships that you already have. I don't know if you're already, but if you value the relationship that God has given you, you won't be sidetracked. You won't be distracted. The enemy wants you in that place of rejection because that's where he lives. But I don't want to live in rejection. I don't want to reject the good gifts that God has given me. I don't want to forsake my family and forsake what God has already blessed me with, pursuing something else that may or may not ever happen. I need to treasure what God has already given. So when you're making your plans, you have to put your priorities right. It's God first. When my relationship was right with Him, then the relationships with other people can actually be healthy. It's the only way. Because our heart is a tricky thing. The heart, you know, people say, the heart wants what the heart wants. You have to bring it into the submission. You have to put it in a place where God can mold and shape your heart so that it actually wants and craves the right things. Come on. But how do we do that? Well, I've given you the game plan. Well, what am I supposed to do? Are you connecting? Are you connecting with God? Are you connecting with each other?
Are you looking for another church? Like, you know what? These people, they don't feed me right. Pastor Richard, it's not a good preacher. I like what he has to say. And so we begin to pursue something else, not realizing that God has you here at this moment to hear this message because it's for you. So God says, now don't rejoice that I've given you authority. Rejoice that me and you have a relationship. Come on, somebody. When we value his, our relationship with him above all else, let me tell you something. It allows the Holy Spirit to begin its work. So if you could for a moment, just bow your heads for a moment. God is going to speak to you something. Today, God is going to renew your purpose. Some people, they ask me all the time, they say, Richard, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know my place. You say that we're supposed to have a destiny and stuff. I don't know it. Can I tell you that where you find it is in personal relationship with God? Not in relationship with Pastor Richard or pastors, leaders. You find it first in your identity in God. Then he gives you teachers, people to help guide you, to keep you focused, to connect with. Why? Because we can't do it alone. You can't do it by yourself. We need each other. And so today God is saying that you don't have to reject him and the promises. In fact, some of you have been dealing with rejection too strong. In fact, nobody can get into your inner circle because you want to reject them before they hurt you. You've been hurt too long. I'm here to tell you that God sees your heart. He knows your heart. He knows the intricacies of what you feel. And God can restore your confidence and faith in people again if you allow him. But you know what's great about God? Is that he restores us, but he also gives us strategy and planning. He gives us wisdom and insight in his scriptures so that we don't have to keep making the same mistakes over and over again. Do you know that God can protect your heart? Do you know that God can look after you? That God can guide you if you let him? How does he do that? Well, he gives us the Holy Spirit to speak to us. But the problem is, is that we're not listening for God to really speak to us. We're not asking God to lead us. We're trying to tell God where we want to go. But God is saying, look, follow my plan. Your plan doesn't work. It leads you to rejection. But my plan will lead you to a place of life. Because you know why? Because God can never reject you. See, I don't know you as well as God. God knows the depths of your heart. God knows the thoughts. And he tells you, even though he knows your thoughts, he knows our sinful nature. He says, by no means do I condemn you, nor do I reject you. I accept you just as you are. Just come to me. So all things start when we stop rejecting him and start connecting. <laughs>